Welcome to Chapter 3 of Health System CIO's interview with Pam McNutt, CIO at Methodist Health System. In this segment, McNutt talks about the approach she has used when working with a new CEO, how to navigate the turf wars that can happen as new disciplines enter the IT space, and what excites her most about the future of the industry. The following Health System CIO podcast is brought to you by LK a nationwide leader in healthcare connectivity. Decommission your legacy systems with LK Archive. All systems, all data, one consolidated solution. Retain 100% of your legacy data at 20% of the cost with LK Archive. For more information, visit lk.com. That's E-L-L-K-A-Y dot com. And when did you actually, when did you uh, assume the CIO role? Well, before I came to Methodist, I was at Herman before it was Memorial Herman when Herman was still standalone. And I had taken on, at that time, they did not have a formal CIO role. The director of IT was considered the CIO. And so it was two years prior to that. So I've been in a CIO role for 28 years. Okay. And in terms of things like dealing with changes in the CEO, changes in uh, the C-suite, what do you feel is uh, maybe the the key to kind of managing through those times, especially if you don't really know what to expect with a new CEO? So any thoughts on on the best way to to navigate that situation? I think the way it works is you, you kind of have to act a little bit like you're in a new job when you get a new CEO or even if you're shuffled, you know, in the organization from one boss to another. Now, if you've been here 26 years, you likely already know the people, you know. Um, yeah, but, sure. but when you get a new CEO, you yourself kind of have to act like you're in a new job. You have to, just like the CEO coming in needs to seek first to understand and listen, you need to go into that mode too. Yeah. Really listen to the person, the new CEO. Try and get to know what seem to be their priorities. And hopefully they're also meeting with you and trying to understand your challenges and, and your experiences. So you really have to go into that mode again of, well, this is almost like a new position. Yeah. And what does this person want of me. The previous CEO may not have wanted a formal IT strategic plan, but maybe this CEO does. You need to listen, explore, and learn what the expectations are. Right. Right. I like that, though, approaching it like a new job, because in many ways it is. That's right. It can be hard. I mean, you have to be very stoic, because you may see some of your peers that you have worked with well and really admire and like a lot, perhaps not make it in the transition, and you've got to stoically move through that. Yeah, not at all easy. No, it's like, well, it's like starting starting a new job. Yeah. And for, for those who are uh, either just starting a CIO role or look, looking to do that, is there any advice you would offer it? especially those who are going into a new organization or taking on a new role. Yeah, any advice on how to handle what I'm sure is a a tricky situation? I mean, number one is you have to, to establish trusted relationships with people. That is what I have seen cause people their jobs. 
are, are not being successful, should I say, if you don't survey the landscape and decide who's really important. You should develop a trusted relationship with everyone, but some in this role are going to be more important than others. You have to work very well in this new world where you have um, chief digital officers, you have CMIOs and informatics departments that are taking on more and more responsibility with the EHR. You have to have excellent relationships with those folks and, and no adversarial relationships. You have to work very hard not to have an adversarial relationship. Because with the evolution of all these new disciplines involving IT, you know, whether it's telemedicine, digital patient health, the informatics that's going on with the EHRs, reporting, it's ripe for a lot of turf battles. Let me just put it that way. Yeah, oh, sure. (laughs) And you have to be able to navigate that. And sometimes situations seen with peers and things, sometimes situations just aren't, you aren't able to navigate them for various reasons. For instance, at Methodist, the thing that has always kept me here is people who stay at Methodist for many years, they are here because of the core mission and values. And as long as you can always drop down to that level to decide what is right for the organization, I think you can navigate through these turf battles and and other challenges that can come up as long as you can all drop back to the core mission and values. I think where sometimes things go, go off track whether it be new leadership coming in or you're the new leadership coming in, is everybody is not on the same page with core mission and values. I think that's where you're going to come up with insurmountable conflict. Yeah, true. And I guess it's really important to try to get off on, on the right foot where that's concerned. Yeah, and if you don't, quickly apologize for the misunderstanding and mm-hmm. and find that common ground. Yeah, what people say about first impressions really is true. It's hard to change what was a a negative first impression. It is, but even that isn't insurmountable, I've found. I think everybody has stories of somebody that maybe your first six months or year and working with them was rocky, but then all of a sudden something happens. Maybe it's a project, maybe it's a crisis, some kind of crisis that's occurring in the organization or something. You suddenly realize you're, you're more allies, then you are adversaries, and I've seen that time and time again. So even first impressions can be or should be re-looked at. Yeah, sure. Like I said, not not insurmountable. Right. Okay. Okay, so I know we're running up on time, but the last thing I wanted to ask was looking at, at where this industry is going, it, it is really quite amazing, the changes that are happening, but What is it that gives you the most hope when when you look at where things are headed? I've always been an advocate for patient control of their data, and that's probably Mm -hmm. what excites me the most. Yeah. Is the hope that patients will want to take control of their data, A, to help better their own health with it, but also because fundamentally I believe the data does belong to the patient. And I mm-hmm. think that's exciting that we keep moving down that pathway. I also think the digital transformation in all aspects is going to help streamline healthcare and it's going to improve patient outcomes. Those are probably the two things I'm, I'm most excited about for the yeah. future. Yeah, and it is exciting and I think that it's kind of a, almost an instinct for a lot of us to look at what the challenges are, but I think it's so important to recognize how far things have come, especially in the past few years. So when what scares me, and 
not just me, but other CIOs, this, this kind of tires all of us, and I know it's, ty- it's tiring everyone <laughs> um, mm-hmm. in healthcare administration, whether it be IT or some other aspect of revenue cycle or how to, you know, operate a hospital or physician group is fear of, you know, some whiplashing in the overall regulations, not just the IT regulations, but overall with we're we're going in this direction for value-based care. Yes, we are. No, we're not. We're doing bundled payments. Yes, we are. No, we're not. And then what could happen in a couple years if there's a shift, which there always is. It's just natural. There's shifts in the balance of power in Washington. And when a shift occurs, there's often dramatic change. Well, then you have to gear up and and perhaps change some of your strategies or, or change your priorities. And so just a, a little fear about the continuing seesawing back and forth of the regulations. You know, in general, we hear of people touting Medicare for all. That would have huge impact on everything um, oh, yeah. that we do. And then just other things from the push towards more managed Medicare and managed Medicaid and what that means to us. And so you're marching down these paths, and it just gets just a little fearful of, oops, now we're going left instead of going right, and it's, it's hard to manage. So all of us have to be, I'm sure we've all, we all hear this analogy all the time about, you know, a foot and two canoes. You have to be prepared mm-hmm. in case it goes one direction, and you have to be prepared in case it goes another. But it's just like every three or four years we get some pretty major changes that may change our course. And Yeah. And this, that is scary, for sure. You know, more subtle changes are good. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, working our way into these things instead of sometimes some knee-jerk reactions in yeah. Washington of we're going totally this way or we're going totally that way instead of figuring out a nice, clear, sequential path to the future. Yeah. It sounds so logical to me. <laughs> and well, yes, it would be too logical, right? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Exactly. Yes. Okay. That should about wrap it up. Thank you so much for okay. your time today. I really appreciate it. All righty. Um, I'll be in touch. Okay. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to this podcast from healthsystemcio.com. To hear other podcasts, visit our website or subscribe to our account in iTunes at healthsystemcio.com backslash podcast.